Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, John Paul on his own taking your calls uh, today, 1850 333 You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And there was more drama in the All Ireland Ladies Football semi final clash between Cork and Galway before the game even started yesterday, as the venue was moved again, this time at the 11th hour. Declan Drake, our commentator for the game yesterday, joins me. Good morning to you, Declan. Very good morning, Patricia. Thanks for having me. Well, you're welcome. Now, this drama goes back to last week when the game was moved from the Limerick Gaelic grounds. I suppose start there and remind us what happened there. Yes, indeed. Well, the initial difficulty was that Cork had qualified for both the All-Ireland Camogie and Ladies Football semi-finals. And the Cork are the leading dual county in the country. There's several players playing both codes. Both semi-finals were originally fixed for the same Day. In fact, the ladies' football semi finals were originally to be a double header in Turles, uh, Dublin and Armagh being on, on the other side of the draw. When the fixture clash became known, the LGFA uh, agreed to a one week um, putback of the ladies' football semi final to yesterday. The Gaelic grounds in Limerick was selected as the venue. Now, what people didn't realise at the time was there was a proviso to that, that if the Limerick hurlers had qualified for the All-Ireland final, which they duly did against Galway, that the Gaelic grounds would no longer be available to the LGFA because the Limerick team were going to have a, a training match uh, in uh, natural light in their own grounds, which was fair enough. The LGFA knew that. The scramble then to... Um, get a new venue got underway and it was announced on Monday that the game was being switched to Parnell Park in Dublin for a half past one start. Yeah and I know a lot of people felt that was very unfair to the girls playing from Galway and from Cork having to make that journey to Dublin but anyway they sucked it up and said okay we'll go we'll go to Parnell Park. Then yesterday the drama really begins because what happened to Parnell Park? Well I think the first thing to say is we we have to be to say thank you to the Dublin County Board for making Parnell Park available yesterday. It wasn't an ideal venue in the first place, agreed particularly with players, the likes of Martina O'Brien, for example, from Clonakilty and others as well, who have, would have had significant distances to travel. Yeah. I arrived at Parnell Park at quarter to twelve yesterday to get set up for, for the commentary, which I was doing with Valerie Mulcahy for uh, Cork Sports Sunday with Rory Burke. I arrived into the ground, everything looked reasonably okay, the television crews were, were ready to go. 
I met an official of the Dublin County Board who had just taken a mobile phone call to say that the game uh, was off in Parnell Park due to the frozen pitch and was now being moved to Croke Park for a one o'clock start. And this so, was at this was a quarter to twelve. This was at well, I arrived at a quarter to twelve. The the email, the phone call to him came at at five to twelve, right? Okay. So that's one one hour and five minutes before the scheduled start of the game in Crow Park, a few, a few miles down the road. And at this stage, where are both teams? Both teams were were en route to to um, to, to Parnell Park. I understand Cork, I believe, had stayed overnight in in the city, which was quite fortunate for them. Galway didn't. They travelled up yesterday and they got the call to say that the game was moved. We all scrambled down to Crow Park. Um, when we arrived in Crow Park, we weren't um, permitted access to the actual press box itself. Um, they were preparing for Tipperary and Mayo, who, of course, were playing in the men's semi-final afterwards. Now, I have to say, in fairness, Patricia, to the staff in Crow Park yesterday, they were absolutely brilliant to us, right? Yeah. There's nothing they could have done in the situation themselves. They were just following the, the rules and the protocols which, which were in place. Um, the Cork team arrived, came out on the pitch first, warmed up nicely. Um, Galway arrived a little bit late. The throw-in time was put back to 10 past one. They had only approximately 10 minutes of a warm-up before the game. Hardly ideal before the biggest match of their year. Uh, the game was played, and as we brought you the story yesterday, um, Cork won it, thankfully, and are back in the Ireland final in two weeks' time. But uh, this is a saga that has left a sour taste in many amounts, particularly over in, in Galway. Yeah, because I've already heard some criticism this morning from some of the Galway uh, management. I mean, in particular, the point you make there that the girls had so little time to uh, warm up. I mean, what my attention got drawn to it when Twitter lit up because of the lack of media coverage. Just explain what happened with the with the media media coverage and why it wasn't as simple just to switch over from one venue to another venue. Well, TG Carr, the broadcast uh, sponsors of the ladies' football competition, have been for twenty years, and they're they're excellent sponsors and excellent broadcasters. They had a full broadcast unit set up in Parnell Park yesterday. Uh, even brought Rena Buckley up from Cork uh, to do um, analysis on the game as well. The ins and outs of, of how the, the technology of it works, I'm not quite sure, Patricia, to be honest with you. Um, all I know is, obviously, there are cameras there. RTE were, were covering the game, the second game themselves, yesterday. So that's probably an issue that would have to be addressed uh, to them. Now, people were saying, oh, could the men's game not have been put back, etc.? Well, the difficulty there was that RTE were covering that match, but also the fact that they were covering the FEI Cup final last night as well at 20-7 to 7 in the Aviva Stadium. So that would have had a knock-on effect all the way through, particularly if the men's game had gone to extra time or the provision was there for extra time and it wasn't required, as we know, ultimately. So just it was like a domino effect all, all the way through. And I, I understand that TG Carha may have got some kind of stream or something going for the second half, uh, of the game but it was left to the radio personnel like ourselves and our colleagues in Galway Bay FM to, to bring the, the action to, to the people And you did really well I have to say you really did Was it was that over a mobile phone? It was It was <laughs> Myself and Valerie Mulcahy a 10 time All-Ireland winner stood up in uh, in Crow Park um, where there normally would be spectators and it would have been fairly busy there yesterday under normal circumstances and we did the game down down the mobile phone. A real throwback to the old days, Patricia. The uh, early days you know, of our broadcasting th- career. And know? Declan, it's a story you can tell your grandchildren about in years <laughs> to come. Listen, thank you for that. 
And uh, no thanks problem. for explaining the background uh, no, to it. No problem at and, all. Uh, and just to, to, to say well done to Evie Fitzgerald and the girls on their victory. And yeah, it was a great win. Forward, look forward to welcoming them back to the capital in two weeks' time for the <laughs> final against the four in a row chasing dubs. And you will be commentating again, I take it? Well, please God, if it's... God spares me, I'll be there. Yeah, right, thanks yeah. a million, Declan. Thanks for that. Have a good day. Bye-bye, Declan Drake there, our commentator for uh, yesterday. And actually, you know, you wonder, was the... OK, we, we know what happened with Limerick and the Limerick boys needed to to train there. The Limerick team needed to train there so the girls get toughed out, but they didn't know that at the time. You wonder, was that the first mistake that when they agreed to play it in Limerick with the proviso that if the Limerick senior team needed it, they'd have to move maybe there and then they should have said, let's look to a different venue. A couple of people are saying, was Port Leash not uh, looked at? And I don't know if it was or not. But Jim says, hi Patricia, it was a shambles from the picking of Limerick as a venue. The Cork v Galway ladies football semi-final when there was a good chance Limerick would need this pitch and Thurless probably the next venue chosen but a problem according to Jim with stewarding there because the Tipperary footballers were playing yesterday too and surely a venue closer to both teams Jim is suggesting what a number of people are saying like Port Leash and then instead of dragging them to Dublin where we also know the coronavirus figures are quite high and it meant Cork travelling the night before and all in their own cars and having to travel back down again yesterday evening, bearing in mind there was a very heavy fog yesterday and like the Cork manager said, the West Cork ladies would have been only halfway home when they got to Mitchellstown and they were still only in their own county. I was messaging a Cork ladies player after the match and she said both teams arrived around the same time but maybe Cork were more organised in getting out onto the pitch early to do their warm up but 10 minutes certainly was too short to expect teams to play uh, play after that even though Galway started the better of the teams in the first 10 minutes surely the senior match between Mayo and Dublin could have been been put back even by 10 or 20 minutes if the match had gone to extra time and free taking competition to get a winner on the day should the GAA put back a good few games so that the Dubs would leave the pub as they were, there was always crowd congestion with fans coming late before match time and it looks like they can't accommodate the ladies compared to when they need to and have always accommodated the men. Special mention to Saoirse Noonan who is playing in the FAI Cup final next Saturday and playing with the Cork ladies in the All-Ireland final the following week so hopefully she and Cork can do the double as the Cork hurlers and footballers did 30 years ago. Best of luck to Anthony Nash also in his retirement and he will go down in his for having a rule in hurling called after him with his art of penalty taking. That's a very lengthy WhatsApp from Jim. Thank you for that. But I think you're summing up that a lot of people did feel very, very sorry for the both of the ladies' teams yesterday. Now, from a Cork point of view, we're happy out with this. We've got the win. But you can understand why the Galway teams are feeling the Galway team are feeling extremely miffed today. Your thoughts welcome to 1850 Also welcome your thoughts on a letter that I've received this morning from Mary and we give it out to see are there many others in the same boat and we have contacted the HSE to try to get a response on this. Mary writes, Dear Patricia, just a note to bring attention to something in relation to this year's flu vaccine. In my local pharmacy, there's a long waiting list for the flu vaccine due to the fact that they got very small amounts of the vaccine on each delivery. But, says Mary, if you're willing to pay €30 
then you can walk in and get the flu vaccine. Surely this is very unfair to those of us who cannot afford this. It feels to me like there's a two-tiered system, the HSE and a private system. I'm wondering, is this the norm everywhere? says Mary. So we're getting on to the HSC. We know there's been a problem with the flu vaccine. There was a problem with the delivery of the flu vaccine to doctors and to uh, pharmacies. The last time we did a piece on it, the HSC were holding back on the last 50,000 batches of the vaccine. And at that point, they then released it and were told 1.3 million vaccines were bought by the HSC, were distributed to GP practices and to pharmacies. And we were told that there should be enough for everybody on the at-risk group who needed it. And Mary's right, it was given out free of charge. I remember back when we were speaking with Dr Mike Thompson. Dr Mike is the doctor who set up the drive through vaccination clinic in Middleton, which I thought was a fantastic idea. And they had this great suggestion of what they were going to do that on the weekends they were going to do these drive-through vaccination clinics and the whole family could get into the car, everybody would go, you'd roll down the window, you'd get your shot on your merry way and they could vaccinate thousands of people very quickly, very safely and it would save people going to the GP surgery themselves and blocking up the GP surgeries and we know some people are nervous about going to a GP surgery for fear that they they might pick up COVID for example, which of course you won't but people are nervous about it. So this drive-through vaccination clinic was a great idea. Then of course Dr Mike and the rest of the gang in Middleton who got together to do it had to pack it all up after a weekend or two. Why? Because they didn't have enough vaccines. They had loads of people who wanted to go to the drive-through clinic but they physically couldn't get the vaccines. And I remember he said at the early stage when we were first talking to him about it that all of the vaccines had been bought by the HSE, the 1.3 million and that they were all for use by the HSE for everyone on the at-risk group and he said it was going to be almost impossible for anyone to get a vaccine privately. So I don't know where GPs that are offering private flu jabs are pharmacies. I don't know where they're getting those vaccines from. But it does look like there are a lot of people who have fallen through the cracks this year through no fault of their own because people have registered with their GPs or they've registered with their pharmacy to say, yes, I'd love to get the flu jab. I know how important the flu jab is. People who got the flu jab every single year we've heard from them that they've missed out and can't get the flu jab this year. So we're trying to work out how many people are still waiting, are still hoping that they're going to get a phone call from their pharmacy or from their GP practice. But I particularly want to know why can somebody walk in and pay €30? Euro? Is that the same at every GP practice? Is that the same at every pharmacy? Do they have vaccines available only for private patients but not for the public patients who are entitled to it free from the HSC. Texter says, why couldn't the ladies' game have been fixed for Croke Park from the very start? It's just really bad treatment of the ladies. The semi-final venue then changed at the last minute. No TV coverage, but not TG Carr's fault, even though Declan Drake, our commentator, reckoned they got part, if not all, of the second half on on TV. Uh, It wouldn't happen in the men's game, says this texter. Even in this difficult year, these are elite athletes and they're putting their lives on hold for football. Galway got 10 minutes to warm up but I heard on national radio this morning that it was Galway's own fault that they got so little time to warm up as according to somebody speaking on national radio they spent too little time, they spent too much time in the changing room. Is it any wonder that girls give up uh, sport? Well 
Declan Drake, our commentator, did reckon both teams arrived at the same time and the Cork team managed to get out onto the pitch quicker. I don't know why the Galway team spent so much time in the dressing room. But I did see in the Irish Times uh, today that the Galway manager, Tim Rabbit, is very annoyed. And he said, we were treated like something you'd find on the bottom of your shoe. He said it was when he found out yesterday that the pitch was frozen in Parnell Park and they'd have to move to Crow Park instead. He said it was a completely frustrating build-up to the semi-final. He said when we were told about it that we were going to Dublin uh, instead of going to Limerick, I thought it was a joke. He said I emailed the Ladies Gaelic Football Association straight away and told them it's absolutely ridiculous to be bringing us over to Dublin. Surely Thurless or Ennis or anywhere down the country would have been better. But we were told a whole load of different reasons why it couldn't happen. We didn't go public last week with our complaints because we didn't want to be seen to be kicking off about it. But it's not good enough, he said, in 2020. Now he also had issues with the fact that the referee was from uh, Kerry, a neighbouring county. But he said his chief regret about yesterday's event is that he didn't refuse to play the game. He said I regret on behalf of the girls that we didn't walk off the pitch. We should have refused to play. We were willing to be accommodating. We knew the pitch was frozen. We wanted the game to go ahead. We knew the circumstances are difficult with COVID in the time of the year. But we were assured we get sufficient time to do our warm up and we didn't get that. Uh, he reckons that they only had uh, seven minutes in the end so he is very, very annoyed. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com An online rally against COVID restrictions in in maternity services heard how women felt lonely, isolated and traumatised by their partners not being able to attend pregnancy scans and early labour. Last week a petition opposing the restrictions with over 50,000 signatures was handed into Cork University Maternity Hospital. Linda Kenny from Glanmire who gave birth during the pandemic is now speaking up on behalf of other pregnant uh, women and she joins me. Good morning to you Linda. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Linda, firstly, congratulations on on the birth of your little baby, uh, Amy Kate, in in July. You wrote a very heartfelt piece about your experience in last week's Examiner. This was your second birth. Just explain to us how different it was to your first delivery. Um, Well, I suppose it really actually started around week 20 of my pregnancy. That was when, I suppose, really COVID bit became a massive part of all of our lives. My husband was stopped from coming to any of the appointments. So the anomaly scan is a big scan about halfway through your pregnancy. Uh, Very nerve-wracking for everyone. Um, And that was the first appointment he couldn't attend with me. And then over the, you know, the second half of my pregnancy, you know, there's so much unknown about COVID. We got no advice at the time because everybody was grappling to deal with the situation. And then it came up to giving birth and I'd had a discussion with my doctors and I knew I was going to have a planned section this time because of my experience with my first girl. And so it came to the, the day of the operation and my husband had to leave me in the car park at CUMH had to go in myself with my lovely suitcase Uh, you go in through the tent you get checked for your thermometer and then you're on your own for hours 
um, up on the ward with other women um, around you who are labouring um, or who've given birth and just waiting um, to go down for the operation. So very nerve-wracking time. And the, exactly the, the moment you need somebody yeah. to hold your hand, you know. And bless your heart, the picture of you, Linda, walking away from your husband's car, which heavily pregnant, carrying your little suitcase. And it just... It was just heartbreaking to even think of that. And you're not the only woman that has done that or is even doing it today. No, there's 150 people will have the exact same experience today. And what we're finding, you know, when I got, so when I came into the reception, there was another woman who was just sobbing and it broke my heart not to go over to her because I was just about holding it together myself. And all I wanted to do was give her hugs to say, I feel exactly the same as you. This isn't fair. It shouldn't be happening to us. And what I'm hearing now, so many women have contacted me, like friends, friends of friends, colleagues who've had, some have had devastating experiences with pregnancy, lost through the pandemic, been totally on their own. Now, some of those rules have changed, which I'm really grateful for. Um, but a lot of women are delaying going to the hospital now when they're in labour because their husband or their partner, their support person, isn't allowed in until they're what's called active labour, which is when they're four centimetres dilated. But the early labour stage before that can go on for a day, mm-hmm. can go on, you know, and women are in a lot of pain and a lot of people now delaying going to the hospital because of that, because they're too scared to be on their own. That's not safe for women. And it's not safe for their babies. And I know the, the the health service executives, the men who are making these decisions, you know, really are looking at the safety around COVID. But there's also the safety of the mom's maternal health. There's also the safety of women, you know, compromising their care because they're too scared to go in on their own. And that's very worrying. And I think it's something that really now needs to be looked at by both the HSE and the government because, you know, we've seen that there can be flexibility in how we manage COVID, there can be compassion, there can be changes made and the restrictions that are there at the moment are the exact same restrictions that were put in place in March. We know a lot more now about that's true. with this. With that's a very good point. March, that's, you know? that's a very good point. But back to, to your good self in, in July. So you, you toddled in very close to tears with your suitcase and then you're, you're put into a room and then you get to the stage where your baby's nearly ready to be delivered. So your husband's allowed in at that stage. Yeah, so I ring him. So we live very close. So we live in Glanmire. It's about a 10 minute drive from the hospital. So they told me to just send my husband home. They were like, there's no point in waiting in the car park. So I said, fine. So he was at home, you know, pacing around the house. And um, then I rang him. So he comes on the link, you know, through God only knows, I'd say, what way he was driving to get out to the hospital. And they bring me down to the theatre. And then, so I'm waiting in this little pre-surgery room. And next thing, the nurse says, you know, well, where is your husband? Where is he coming from? (laughs) And I'm looking at her going, he's coming from Glam... Like, we're doing exactly what he told us to do. And he's coming from Glammire. He he should be here very soon. And uh, so he comes in. And then I have to go into the surgery to have the anaesthetic put in so the big needle into your spine. And he's not allowed in for that part. And that's always the way. That's not a COVID restriction. Okay. That's how they organise it. 
Um, and so I'm sitting there on the bed and you have to be very still, you know, um, because obviously it's very dangerous getting a needle into your spine. And a midwife who, there's a midwife allocated to the baby and then there's theatre nurses who look after you. And the theatre nurses are getting all of their bits and bobs checks and, you know, am I who I am and my age is correct and, you know, all of this stuff. And the theatre nurse kind of comes over going, where's the baby's hat? And I look at her and I, I realise it's up on the ward and I say it's up on the ward. And she took, she said, <sighs> and walked off, continuing on about her bits. And it was just the moment that I will never forget because, everything then just comes roaring out and I was inconsolable on the bed and the theatre nurses had missed it and so to them I had just burst into tears and, and your and husband now is, is not even with you at that stage no, he's outside the door okay. he's outside not a clue what's going on takes a good I'd say 10 minutes for me to be able to actually just catch my breath and to be able to get calm enough that they can put the anaesthetic in and then as soon as the anaesthetic goes in, they strap you down. And if anyone's had an operation, you know, it's totally, you know, it's like a crucifix, you know, yeah. and you're strapped in and, you know, you can't wipe the tears away, you know. And then I was just asking, you know, you hear a doctor say, right, we're ready to go. And my husband still isn't there. And I'm like, can we get my husband, please? Um, and then he comes in, you know. Um, and then the operation itself was quite daunting because you're in your senses. I heard them call for the senior consultant. It took a bit longer for the baby to come out. So I knew something wasn't quite 100%. Um, uh, but obviously my husband is oblivious to all of this because he's on cloud nine because the baby arrives and he gets to hold her, you know. Um, while I'm just still, like, I start to get sick then during the operation and I'm empty reaching and it's, you know, as most women will know who've been through this, it's a very different experience for the person um, having the section than for the partner. Um, yeah. They get all the lovely cuddles, you know. Yeah, um, and you're you're going through this major operation. But baby anyway is born safely, thank God. And then yeah. the, the next bit is you getting moved back to the ward and time for daddy to leave yeah so we're in the recovery room and um, my husband's allowed in but you're never on your own at that point because there's a midwife doing all of the checks and helping you to feed the baby and all of that so it's never just you and your partner and the baby you know there's always another person there um, and then because it was quite late in the day um, they came in and they said listen we need to get you back up to the ward um, before the ward shift changes that was about um, 6 o'clock maybe half past 6 and uh, so that like the porter's there and they start moving the bed and we're out in the corridor and they just say yeah you go that way to him <laughs> I'm in the bed paralysed holding the baby you know totally out of it after the surgery and I'm just like can you stop please so I can say bye to him you know and I know I'm not going to see him that was a Friday and I knew I wasn't going to see him again until Monday um, and that I was just totally on my own then from there on out and it's just and what and the three days on your own, uh, Linda? I mean, you, you know, you describe being in the bed and the curtain, the blue curtain pulled around you. It almost felt like you were being punished, as if you had done something wrong. Yeah, no, it is. It is very hard, and every you know, everyone's in the same boat. And all you hear, all you hear, are other people crying. You know, in the ward, like everyone's in bits. And I, I think what people don't realise is. 
if you have a straightforward birth and you have your baby and it, and it pretty much goes by the book, you're discharged home the next day. So I can understand for a lot of women who are giving birth, the restrictions probably don't seem that onerous because they go in and they have the baby and the husband's there with them for a, a, you know, a portion of it and then the next day they're home. But for a lot of us, that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what really, should really be hard. the happiest time of your life? It's almost like the the gloss has been taken off that. Oh, listen, it's it's not a, it's it, you know, like I suppose I had a very difficult birth with my first child. Wouldn't be the only woman in that situation, and I was really hoping this time would be more positive, and it wasn't. And I I feel like that was taken from me, and I feel and I do really feel that it was taken from me by the men at the top who made these decisions who have no experience of what it's like to give birth themselves. They will never know what it feels like to have somebody's hands inside of you taking your baby out of you, you know. And, I, you know, I don't really think they're giving it the due consideration that it really deserves because this is having massive impacts on people's maternal health. You know, I know from people who've reached out for me from discussions, I know some people who are saying, I'm never going, you know, first time mom saying, I'm not, not ever going to put myself in that situation again. Oh, that's, you know, that's it's really, really And hard. Linda, is it true that Dublin maternity hospitals are treating partners differently? Yes, so they are allowed in for visits. Now, it's not what it was before where a partner could be with you all day long. You know, it's an hour, but it's something. It's something that there's somebody there to hold the baby while you go for a shower who's part of your family, you know. Um, So they're allowed in in two out of the three Dublin hospitals. Um, No such movement like that in Cork. There is also, I think, in some of the Dublin hospitals, um, that partners can attend for the anomaly scan. And um, so, at the time I gave birth, it was when the COVID rate was quite low. And so, if we'd have given birth in Dublin at the same time, my husband would have been able to visit me every day. For it would have been. It would have been very different. There. And that anomaly scan, that twenty-week scan, uh, Linda, there are women attending that who are getting dreadful news. Dreadful, and even earlier in the 12-week scan as well. Now, I have to say, and I think this kind of proves our point that these restrictions can be made more compassionate. I know in CUMH it was late in the day, it was only in October, but in October, after there was a lot of pressure put on in the doll, they have changed the restrictions around pregnancy loss. So while you are still on your own, when you receive that news at the scan, you can then bring somebody in with you after the fact, I suppose, is how it is. And then if you need subsequent appointments around that loss, you will have somebody with you. And I think that is was long overdue. Um, but really, you need to have somebody there with you when you receive the news because you, you can't cope with hearing yeah, no, no. Like I went into my 36-week appointment in a healthy pregnancy, asked about the restrictions. They told me there was no way the restrictions were going to be lifted. I burst into tears and I didn't hear anything else they told me for the rest know, of the appointment. I know, I know. And that's very, like, it's very understandable. And I'm assuming as well this thing about ring your husband. Yeah, I mean, whatever about when they C-section, they, they, they know when baby's going to come out. But for somebody 
who's having a natural labour, you you can have a very quick labour, you can have a very slow okay. labour. Uh, baby, you can't say to baby, can you hang on a tick now? Your dad's on the link road, he'll be here in a minute. Th- th- there must be a case that some partners are not making it in in time. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that that is the case. And as you say, it is unpredictable, you know. And I think what's very frustrating for people is that the evidence base for the restrictions haven't been published by the HSE, um, if you want my honest opinion, because they don't exist, you know. It's just, I think, a decision made in panic at the start of March. And now I think rather than lose faith, they're just kind of digging deep and keeping them in place, you know, and um, like they haven't been able to answer any question about how somebody who lives in the same, like I sleep in the same bed as my husband, we live in the same house. Yeah. How is he an additional risk if he's in the hospital? Yeah, that's a really a good mask, point. And let's, let's, let's also point out that the World Health Organization have uh, agreed that women should be supported by their partners. Absolutely, yeah. yeah because so they you, recognize ha- you, you handed in the with over 50,000 signatures, what response have you have you got to that petition? Nothing official yet, um, which is very disappointing. But there was some, I suppose, I think Dr. Colm Henry, he was asked about it on Thursday on the news and he did recognise that with such support, the issue would need to be looked at. But I think they're just hoping it will go away. Um, I think with the likes of you behind it, Linda, this is going uh, nowhere. And I have to compliment you. You could be just at home. You have a busy household with two smallies. Uh, You could be at home thinking, well, look, it happened to me and I'm going to get, you know, it's all is over for me. But, you know, fair dues for speaking up on behalf of the other pregnant women that are there at at the moment and the ones that will be going into labour in the coming weeks and months. And how is uh, the baby? Great. Asleep at the moment now. Great. She must know that great. Uh, I'm doing something important. But, she's great. Um, no, she's flying. Us, flying. Oh, well, well done. forward to our first Christmas. Well done. Well, listen, we'll keep in contact with you just to see what progress you make on this one. But in the meantime, really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us this morning. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. As of a young mum, that is uh, Linda Kenny from uh, Glam- Glanmire on those continued restrictions at the Maternity Hospital in Cork. 1850-333-103. Cork today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. Some reaction to our chat uh, with Linda on the restrictions that are in place in the Maternity Hospital. Patrick in Valerie said these rules are in place in hospitals. It is to protect everyone. Patrick was in hospital recently. You have to wear a mask. You have to sanitise. The rules are in place to protect uh, people. Liz says in the past we were on our own. Men weren't allowed until baby was uh, born. It looks like we're going back to the old ways of doing things. And uh, another Pat says, uh, Patricia, the woman, that woman should be grateful to God that she's not in Africa or India having her baby. She would have a lot more to complain about. And someone else says, well then, done to Linda and the rest of the gang. Uh, I'm due to have a baby in January and I am terrified of the prospect of going in without my husband. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, Cork County Council's Michael Collins House Museum in Clonakilty 
has just launched a heritage guide. It's based on historic events associated with the War of Independence. The Mayor of Cork County Councillor Mary Lenahan Foley joins me with uh, further details. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, we're marking a number of 100-year anniversaries uh, of events. Sadly, we can't celebrate them or honour them the way we would have hoped to have done. But is this guide, therefore, very timely? It is very timely, and I think, as you mentioned there, um, quite a lot of events have been cancelled, so we have to do everything, as you know, and well aware, online now, and West Cork is just steeped in history, so this was very welcome. Um, it was uh, to do with the East, or the West Cork Municipal District, so me, above in East Cork, would only be new to this, um, and all the enthusiasts down there, that this is, I suppose, guiding visitors in West Cork native to the site and events. You know, and it's trying to open up the whole of Cork County, basically, but West Cork more importantly. And of course, West Cork has so many sites associated with the War of Independence. Yes, totally. And the Michael Collins House, I suppose, this is where this initiative came from. So um, the War of Independence, I suppose, highlights not just the history of events, but also the work of generations of historians, which ensures that we can continue with the history and to share it and let everybody know exactly what it's all about. And what sort of information is contained in the guide? Is there information about each of the individual sites? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. All the information that's there is all about the individual sites down there and all the history that the, that the area has to offer. Okay. And how do people get a copy of it? They get a copy of it. They can log on to Kirk, our Kirk County Council, www.yourcouncil.ie, and that will give them any information that they need. Okay. And obviously when tourism is back up and running, this guide would prove to be a big hit, won't it, for visitors to the area? It will, a massive hit altogether. We did similar in Europe with the collegiate church and the clock eight in the East Cork area. So it's kind of been rolled out in all the historical areas all over the Cork County. And I suppose it's a smooth tourism position and try and encourage people to come and visit with staycations more important now more than ever. Yeah, yeah. So it's opening up really the whole of the area down in West Cork. So yeah, totally and as you say, up. even for local people, sometimes when we live in an area, we don't even know what's on our own doorstep. So, yes, so I, I think that's happened. Yeah, yeah. We're, all, we're all guilty of that. Yes, and talking yes. about what's on our own uh, doorstep, we've been doing a big push here on the radio station to get people to shop local uh, this Christmas. And I know your good selves at Cork County Council have been to the forefront of it. Tell me about this virtual marketplace that the council has established. Um, I suppose it's kind of, again, similar to what you've mentioned about highlighting what we have historically. This is highlighting what is available in Cork County and all the businesses in, in the areas all over Cork County have been invited to put in their details to let people know exactly what they have to offer and what they're selling over the Christmas period. So you can kind of one-stop area where you can log in and you can see exactly what is available in all the areas of Cork County for sale with markets, with crafts, um, anything else basically that's for sale over the next number of weeks just to encourage people to shop local. That's brilliant. And, yeah. Most and is it, a fr- is, it a f- is it a free service for businesses? It is. Yeah, yeah totally. It's a kind of, it's under our project gas again and it's something different I suppose under the recall business to make sure that anybody that has that in or anybody that's selling anything again, try to keep it local and they can advertise on this. Okay, so people can go and check it out and you'll be surprised what is available in your local area. 
you would be very, very surprised. And I know, I know now I'm trying to get a plug in here, but I'm just saying, <laughs> in my area, in Yale, we don't have markets. And Yale was always famous for markets, you know, and we don't have any. So this year, I suppose I took the initiative to create and have an outdoor market for the first time, hoping that, you know, the number of groups in the area will catch on and continue with throughout the year as well. But we're having two markets in Yale area on Saturday, first and Saturday, the 19th. And I'm hoping that this will highlight what local talent is out there and what people have to offer. Because as you said, Patricia, we're not aware sometimes of the local craftspeople and what you can buy. And I think sometimes when you're buying a gift for somebody for Christmas, when it's bought local and there's thought put into it, it means a lot. Absolutely, absolutely. And county towns, uh, Mary, are looking really festive, aren't they, with all of the lights and the and the decorations? They are, and I think this was again under a real for Christmas and an initiative from Cork County Council to make sure that this year would be extra special because of the last number of months and what we've gone through. I think that we're trying to really put a bit of sparkle, put a bit of bling out there and just try to let the kids know, yes, it's Christmas, Santa's coming and, you know, have some bit of festivity around. Yeah, yeah, and well done to the businesses, you know, businesses that were yes. closed even lit up their windows and it was great, you know what I mean? It's, it's been tough. They've had a, the, the, the non-essential shops have had a tough six weeks. They have had a tough six weeks and look, we can say the same about wet pubs, you know, my heart goes out to them. I grew up in a pub myself, I suppose, um, as a child in my dad's pub, Moby Dick's, and Christmas was always a time that, you know, Christmas and August weekend were the two times that kind of helped through the quieter times of the year. Um, so I'm feeling it, I'm feeling it for them, because I know that, look, the last the summer period, the August weekend, and all through August, the holiday period, and now they're losing this again. So, you know, people are struggling to push and not just with folks, but as you say, non-essential businesses are well, as well. Their doors are closed, and we re- my heart, I, I really feel for these people because some of them might never reopen again. You know. Yeah, but we can all do our bit on those that are yeah. open and make sure that we're we're supporting uh, local. And there's lots of free parking right across the county, county towns. Free parking everywhere all over across yeah. the county. Well into January, just encourage people to stay local, shop local. And if I, as I said to somebody lately, if we don't use them, we're going to lose them. Yeah. Absolutely, well done. Okay, well listen, happy Christmas to you if we don't speak uh, again. And thanks a million for joining us. Good morning to you. you. That is the Mayor of Cork County, Councillor Mary Lenehan Foley. 1850-333-103. Some of your thoughts and comments coming in. I mentioned the flu jab and this was with regard to a letter I had from Mary, one of our listeners who's trying to get her flu jab at her local pharmacy, is on a waiting list for the flu jab to come in, but has since discovered at the pharmacy if she's willing to pay €30, even she's entitled to a free HSE vaccine, but if she's willing to pay €30, she can get her flu jab and she just thinks it's very unfair and she feels there's a two-tiered system this year for the flu jab. Those that can afford to pay the €30, while not everyone seems to have got them under the HSE, even though the HSE tell us £1.3 vaccines were sent out and they felt that there was more than enough to cover everybody that was on their list but it doesn't look like everybody got it. John John feels there's been a right mess made of the flu jab this year and he's worried now with coronavirus and all talks of a vaccine and a vaccine within weeks 
he's hoping that there won't be as many hiccups with the COVID-19 vaccine as there has been with the flu vaccine uh, this year. Now last week we were talking about the Wolf Tones annual. Remember it was Donald Mallow contacted us. He'd been watching some television programme and he had heard somebody reference a Wolf Tones annual and he'd never heard of it. And he was wondering, did many others, or did, did anyone have copies of it? Lots of people contacted us to say they remember the Wolf Tones album. Many people had copies uh, of it. But Donna was wondering, when did it all start? We're now led to believe that the very first Wolf Tone annual was in 1932. How long it went on for, I have no idea. But we're led to believe that they actually started in 1932. And a different Donal has been on. He is wondering about Trocra. Trocra every year send out a brochure, you know, where you can get hens or you can get a beehive or you can buy a chicken or you can buy a goat or you can buy school books uh, for children in Africa. And then you get this lovely card and you can send it on to somebody saying, in your name, I bought, you know, a beehive or I bought children's school books for children in Africa, wherever wherever it is. And uh, he... He, Jonah obviously has been doing it every year and they send the brochure out to him and he receives it and he buys his presents out of it and then he gives them out his gifts. But he said it didn't arrive this year and he's checked out and it seems listening to the ads they're doing it online but Donal isn't a fan of doing things online he would physically like to have the brochure in his hand to pick what he's going to pick and then send his money off uh, that way now we have contacted Trocra in the meantime but he's wondering are other people put out about this that it's so much has gone online I mean and, and Donal is right there are a cohort of people who don't like to do things online they still like the older way of uh, doing things uh, so anyway, we're, we're on to Trocra to see, but I don't know if there's anybody else because there's other charities do that as well where they send out a brochure with various gifts and you can buy it and then you send on the card to the person saying that you made a donation instead. So if anybody else knows of anybody else do, doing it, the fact it was Trocra's third world charities, third world countries that Donald would like to help out. And then Vincent was on to say, hello Patricia and John Paul. Help please. I have family coming from the US of A in the next week. Do you know the minimum test and isolation requirement for my visitors. I do because these changed at the end of November. Okay, it is anybody travelling from America. America streamed red country isn't it? We're, we're now under the EU traffic like approach to travel where each member state des- decides then the entry restrictions and requirements and they have travellers. You've come from either a red zone, an orange zone or a grey zone. There's nobody in a green zone which means you've little or no COVID so we're all dealing with red zones, orange zones and green zones. America, because there is so much COVID in America, it certainly is, uh, I think all of it is a red zone. So it was from the end of November when your visitors arrive, they must restrict their movements for 14 days. But the change from the end of November, they can, if they receive a negative non-detected result of a PCR, a COVID test, that they take a minimum of five days after their arrival in Ireland, then they will no longer have to restrict their movements. But they must restrict their movements until they get a negative test result. And that must be taken a minimum of five days after they arrive. So if you pass that information on. And I'm sure when they arrive into the country, when they arrive into the airport, they'll be told uh, about it. They're travelling from the US. I don't know what airport. Are they flying into Dublin? Are they coming via London and flying into Cork? Are they flying into Shannon? I don't know where they're travelling into. I know at Cork Airport, 
and Dublin. I don't know about Shannon. You can certainly certainly have a COVID test before you leave and on arrival so they may be able to get the test uh, done at the actual airport. But once they get a negative test result, a minimum of five days after arriving into this country, then they won't have to restrict their movements. But if they opt to not have that test done, because obviously that comes with a cost, then they will have to restrict their movements for a 14-day period. And actually I was listening to the about the Transport Minister Eamon Ryan at the weekend and He's warning against what he is calling flight shaming. Uh, people who do decide to travel home from abroad for Christmas. They reckon 50,000 people have booked tickets and will be making a trip home to Ireland by air. Now, more, there will be more, obviously, will come by ferry, but at the moment, about 50,000 people have booked. Uh, Minister Eamon Ryan said the government are not encouraging people to return to Ireland, but they recognise that some people will travel. He said it could be somebody with a lonely parent. It might be somebody who's been away for a very long time. It may be somebody who was abroad travelling for work and are now coming home for Christmas. And he said what we shouldn't be doing is shaming these uh, people. The transport minister said prospective air passengers were the best people to make the call on whether they really need to travel or not. But he didn't think it was up to the government. But the advice is they're not encouraging people. But if they do decide don't shame them. The DAA which is the agency that runs Dublin Airport they say that forward booking for flights very low. Even with 50,000 people having booked to come through all of the airports in in the country that's about 10% of the normal levels we would expect to our airports at Christmas. So the reality is there are far less people travelling. Some have decided to travel but it is far less. Eamon Ryan said more people might book flights at short notice but people would make their own decisions on whether or not it's safe to travel particularly if they're coming from high risk countries. Eamon Ryan said they don't want to bring home the risk of the virus to their own loved ones so he said I think people will have to use their own judgement but I think we should respect that. He said we're not promoting a huge amount of people returning to our shores like we normally do uh, but we don't want and we certainly he said don't want to see a big influx uh, because we do have to manage this. And as I mentioned, Ireland have implemented the EU's traffic light system for air travel, which includes regulations about restricting your movement, getting to COVID-19 tests if you arrive from a red or an orange listed country. Eamon Ryan said people who travel between countries, once the restrictions on this are lifted on December the 18th, should not be shamed. He conceded that a second wave of the virus hit and he's also accepting that a third wave of COVID-19 will, we can expect it in January. But he said blaming individuals or sectors of society did not increase uh, safety. And that's from our own transport minister saying why we're not encouraging, not up to the government to tell people not to travel. All they can do is encourage them not to travel. But if they do decide to travel, he doesn't want anybody finger pointing or shaming anyone or blaming anyone who make the decision to travel. And talking of people making the decision to travel, we spoke about Joanne, not her real name, last week on the programme, who was in that dilemma that got we got such a reaction to this story last week. Her daughter is is living and working in the UK, wants to come home for Christmas. Joanne lives with her son who does not want his sister coming home because the UK, there's a lot of COVID-19 in the UK. The son thinks that his sister is being selfish, irresponsible, I think was the word he used. 
he's being very protective of his mother and of himself, doesn't want to bring COVID into the household, even though she said she'll have a test before she comes. She's also said she'll have another test five days after she arrives. That's not good enough for the son. The son has threatened, not threatened, but has said to his mother, he will move out permanently, not just for Christmas, if she decides to come home for two weeks. She wants to come home for uh, two weeks. So there was a lot of reaction. People on both sides of the fence, people siding with the son, saying the son was just being protective of his mother and he was right to tell the sister not to travel. Then there was those on the other side who said the daughter hasn't been home in a year. She's a right to come home for uh, Christmas. Anyway, Joanne has been back on to us to say that actually what she got her daughter to do, because Joanne was caught in the middle. She felt she was torn between son and daughter. The, the daughter was saying, stand up to the son and let me come home for Christmas, where the son was saying, I'm moving out, ma. If she comes home for Christmas, I don't want to take the risk. I'm moving out and I'll move permanently out. And Joanne in that awful position of being torn between her two much loved children and why she'd love to see her daughter there was part of her could understand where her son was coming from as well so anyway what she decided to do because she was taken aback by the reaction that we got on the programme as well she got her daughter to listen to the podcast of the programme where we were discussing it and to listen to all of the comments that came in and the suggestions that came in from uh, different listeners and the daughter has now made the decision not to travel home for Christmas Obviously, the son is delighted, but the daughter has taken on board everything she heard on the programme and she's also taken on board what the, her brother has said. And while she says she'll have a very lonely Christmas and she'll be on her own and she's off for the two weeks because, remember, she was scheduled to go to Australia, but that obviously holiday got cancelled. But she's made the decision not to travel home for Christmas and instead when vaccines are freely available in the UK and they've, they've started giving vaccines them today, haven't they? Uh, and when she has had her vaccine, she'll travel over some time in 2021 but just to update you on that and thank you to Joanne for updating us uh, as well and actually I got stopped in the supermarket the other day by a woman who uh, said you, you've you uh, sparked a lot of debate in a lot of households this woman was telling me in her own household that she had a son who wants to travel home for Christmas as well and she said the same argument is going on in their household as well and he's made the decision not uh, to travel he was travelling from the far east uh, so it it is and, and you know I think Eamon Ryan is right it is going to be up to individuals themselves to decide whether they want to return or not the advice is not to travel nobody can tell you there's no rules in place. They can just encourage people not to travel. But it's individual responsibility, particularly if people are coming from areas where there is high levels of COVID-19. I think it would be rather foolish to take the risk. And you would never forgive yourself if you travelled home for one Christmas and you, without even realising it, brought COVID with you and brought it into a household where, there could be, where you don't know there could be very very vulnerable people and you pass it on to somebody else. You would not live, your, live with yourself for sure. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Oh, Callahan Motors in Kentuck. They've got the a number of vacancies. Third or fourth year apprentice mechanic. They're looking for a car wash attendant slash trainee valet. And they're looking for a junior car sales exec- executive. Preschool and after school manager required for Suguru Preschool. That's in Ballygiblin in Mitchellstown. And the High B Fitness Centre, that's in Mallow. They are looking for a leisure centre attendant. And cleaner is required for a school in Mallow five days per week. It's during school term only. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by applying online now. 
Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. Now, we were contacted last week by one of our listeners who was very annoyed to discover that the all-for-one vouchers deduct a sum of money every month for what they call non-use of the card after 12 months. Many of our listeners were unaware of this charge. So to offer consumer advice around gift cards and vouchers this Christmas, I'm joined by the wonderful Dermot Jewell of the Consumer Association of Ireland. Good morning to you, Dermot. Well, it's always great to talk to you. I suppose, firstly, consumer rights around gift vouchers has improved in recent years. Thanks, I have to say, to your good selves at the Consumer Association. You were banging on about it uh, for years. Just explain the changes that came in a a couple of years ago. Certainly. Actually, the change came in a year ago. Is it only a year ago? Yeah, it was the 5th of December that it became law. And what happened then was that from, if you like, from the 6th of December, um, all, all vouchers that were, that were issued after that had a minimum of a five-year um, lifespan. So that was a positive side to it. And in addition to that, um, some of the rules around them were changed in that if you gave in a voucher and um, very often before you were told, well, look, if you use the voucher, you're not getting change um, and, and that's it. Um, now you must be given a voucher or either change or a voucher to the value of whatever is the difference of the balance that's left on the... Sometimes it may be a card, but usually it's a, it's a, a gift token or a, a piece of paper. But um, it, it moved forward significantly. The main key issue being it was valid for... They're now valid for five years because... Quite often, you and I spoke about this many times. People forget them; they, they actually yeah. forget that they got them, or where they don't forget they got them. They forget where they put them. Um, and some businesses ha- were good about honouring them if the sell by date was gone on them, but other so, businesses yeah. were adamant. No, no, you're entirely right. And this is it. that was that was the whole key point behind it, which was why would anybody expect you to give them money and tell you back? that it was valid for a period of six months, three months, or 12 months even. If you gave €50, suddenly it devalued to nil, um, and they kept the the money in their pocket. It was so wrong, and it still is wrong if somebody denies you. Um, And and that was why we sent out a message there in November saying that, look, the the law changed on the 5th of December 2019. If you have a voucher that was given before that date, it will expire on the 5th of December 2020. So try to use it. And most importantly, if you can't use it because it's COVID um, and you realise, and that may happen today where somebody opens up a, a, a voucher and goes, oh dear Lord, it's, it's out of date. Um, that doesn't, it shouldn't matter. Um, you're going to rely on goodwill, but take it back to the store, ask to see the manager and explain that, look, you've been closed, I've been stuck indoors whether yeah. I liked it or not. I couldn't spend this. Surely goodwill is going to prevail here and it holds its value. But that's just for one st- for last year. Right now it's all good as five years. Okay. Now the listener who contacted us made that very same point. He's been cocooning, he hasn't been out and it was when he went out to try to spend his one for all voucher he discovered that there was money he thought missing from it and then he discovered this non-use charge. What is that all about? What it is about is that, that the, the one for all card was was um, and some other similar electronic cards 
were excluded from the new rules in, in relation to gift cards or gift vouchers. This is a gift card. It's not a voucher. It's a gift card. But one of the key elements of it, um, which the, the, the company will argue back, is that it will never devalue in the sense that the business, it's, it's underwritten by an insurance policy. If the business fails, you could claim whatever balance was left on the card back under insurance. It would, it, it's not like a business failure, a shop closure. The value is there. The problem is, um, and they have put the argument um, that to maintain that, if you like, guarantee that there's a monthly deduction after month 12, month 13 starts a monthly deduction. I think it's one euro 45 or one euro. Yeah, one, one euro 45. We've got yeah. that checked. Yeah. Um, now, again, this is the point where we've, you and I again will know we've often said to people, use the voucher, try to use it, don't forget about it, and try to use it, as that, certainly within 12 months, particularly if it's a card, because, it, it, and one for all, I'm not the only one, some of the, some of the major um, shopping um, outlets will, will issue a card, and again, it will probably be fine for 12 months, but on month 13, some of them even less, but on month 13 on average, they will start to deduct this, um, assurance, if you like, charge or maintenance charge because um, it protects the owner against losing it um, or forgetting where they put it. You can walk in and say, I know I have one, I can tell you my name um, and blah, blah, blah. And it, it's there to protect you. But the frustration, I think, for a lot of people has been that they couldn't spend it during the last number of months. Yeah, you see, and that's, the yeah, that's yeah, and you would think that for this year they would have wavered it, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. Um, now, they will argue, look, we had to keep people in business. We had to pay the insurance and it didn't go away. Uh, but I still think so many businesses gave some concession. They may have even said, look, we're going to waiver for three months, whatever. I think that would have been nice. They didn't do it. We did suggest in the early in the year, early in March or April, it was actually that um, we kind of flagged that this was an area that would would have where people would have appreciated some bit of a breather on it. Um, it didn't happen. I'm not saying it won't happen in the next couple of weeks if if we put a pile on a load of pressure. But um, we're going to have to do it to see if we'll um, if not just this company but every company who take a charge would um, give some goodwill back. Okay, and they call it an inactive balance charge. And you're right, it's it's one forty five, uh, one euro forty five. It kicks in every month after twelve months. But what got to me was this charge will start to be applied from the following month and will continue until such times as the balance on the card is zero and this That's agreement exactly is terminated. It. They'll yeah. go right to the wire and take every last cent uh, from the yeah. card. There must be a lot of cards out there though with one and two euro left on them. There's no question about that there are. Um, and a lot of people are inclined to go, look, it's not worth it. I can't remember how much is on it. You can check online, but that said, they go, look, there's no point. Or they think, well, sure, there's a tenor on it. I'll use it next month. And then they go to use it. And the problem is, is when you present the card at the till, the person on the other side has no knowledge how much is on that card. They can only put it in for the amount of money and hope it goes through. If, if for example you're buying something for €10 and you've pipped the post on the 145 for that month. So that means that there's €8.55 on the card. The card will just be rejected for this transaction of €10 and nobody will figure out why. You've got to take it back. 
pay your money and go back and check what's the balance on the guard. It's very frustrating. Mm. I was behind a woman at a till in a supermarket trying to use one of the cards and she was unsure of what the amount was. And, and in fairness, the girl on the checkout, but they were guessing numbers in the end. <laughs> yeah. It was just nuts. It was absolutely nuts. Yeah, so if you get one of those cards, the, the key is, 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 to, is to just spend it. Somebody said, why don't people simply give cash instead of uh, gift uh, cards and gift uh, vouchers? Are, are you, would, would you, do you give these cards or are you, are you for or against them? I suppose, in all honesty, I'm, I'm slightly... I, I'm for them because they're protected. They're better, they, they were better than a voucher which could expire in three to six months. Now a voucher is better because you've got five years and it's good. I think the card has its value, has its merit because you can use it online, um, which is quite good to shop. But in general terms, you've got to be on your guard all of the time to make sure that you remember... If 12 months has gone by and you don't use it, it's not going to expire, but it's going to slowly dwindle away to nil if you don't use it. Um, and as I say, I'm not a wholly against them, but I would agree where it's easier to give cash, it's better to give it cash because somebody remembers exactly where they bought it yeah. and they will spend it. Yeah, yeah. Here's, here's a dilemma. Um, could you ask Dermot, please, where do you think we stand with this? Four of us go to a local hotel for a spa day. We've been doing it for the last number of years. All of our partners buy us the vouchers as part of our Christmas presents. This year, my €120 voucher was burnt in a house fire where, by the way, we lost everything. When we contacted the hotel to explain what had happened, they refused to stand over my voucher. We even showed them proof of a bank statement where the €120 was paid and they still refuse. God, isn't that mean? Oh, it is. I'm very surprised at that. And long-standing customers too. Yeah. That's, that's, oh, I'm really disappointed that that that, that should should have been valued and, and met. Um, if nothing else, on the balance of goodwill, a goodwill gesture. Um, and particularly I, I'm, in the circumstances of, of a house fire. But, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't that, oh, I put it somewhere, I don't know where I put it, the house burned down. But if you do, but it's it's a tale of the voucher's gone, gone. So it's gone. Is that? I mean, are they right? Are businesses right? Well, businesses are right, but the problem being, and I would, I wouldn't let that go because I would, I would insist upon seeing where the vouchers were issued. Surely they had a number, and if they did not have a number, in other words, if they were just, you know, willy nilly, were well, we were guessing that you may have used this, um, and you're just trying it on. Not good enough. I, I would really, really insist upon this. I'd actually go as far as spending the twenty five euro to have this highlighted to the small claims court. That's, that's pretty poor. Yeah, performance. It is, yeah, really, 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 really bad. And then someone else said, "Ask Dermot about buying tickets for concerts." Okay, and I know what this listener is on about. This is the fact that so yeah. many concerts now are being advertised for next uh, summer. But it was Leo Varadkar, wasn't it? Came out and said it was. that if you buy a concert ticket. Ticket, and then the the concert gets rescheduled. I was surprised to him say you're not entitled to a refund. What? But what if the new date doesn't suit you? Yeah, I was a bit surprised myself because if you go to the, I'll put it even simply: if you go to the citizens' information site and ask what it say and look at what it says, we tweeted it there the other day. It basically says the concert may be rescheduled, and if that date suits you, if and that's fine, you're entitled to to, to have your ticket restored for that date. However, if it doesn't suit you, you're entitled to a refund. And that is our understanding. 
Um, and, you know, it definitely is one that needs to be clarified. But bottom line, if you pay for a ticket um, for a concert and the concert doesn't go ahead, in other words, the, con- the contract you entered into as a co- consumer um, is breached, the concert can't go on, it's a, it's a fob off to try to suggest to you that you're only going to have to, as you just pointed out, make a date next year, the same date, same time to go. If that doesn't suit you, the contract has been broken, the concert didn't go on, you're not getting what you paid for, so you're entitled to your money back. And again, um, not not wanting to fall out with, 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 with Leo Radcliffe under any circumstances, I think, <laughs> if really, if we, if we work this out, that's far too business positive and, and consumer negative. We need to acknowledge that consumers are entitled to a refund and this would be an occasion where they would quite legitimately be able to fight for it. Okay, I'm quite taken back to see a, a listener who had applied for a voucher from Aer Lingus. I decided to be nice to the company. I wouldn't go for the for the money. I'd take one of their vouchers instead. Still haven't got my voucher. The flight was due to go in June. Are there people still waiting on Aer Lingus vouchers? Apparently so. I read there the other day um, an interview with them where they were saying, and I wouldn't mind, it was the same. You and I have been through this again, um, but it was the same mantle, which is we've got 90% of them gone, there's 10% hanging out there. I don't get that. Um, this should have been paid back a long time ago. Um, and, and I thought, once particularly from June, had been cleared long ago. Um, if, if, if there's a problem there, um, I could I, I would suggest to that lady to get in touch with, um, um, I'm not sure where she was going, but if the flight was within the EU, for example, there's no harm in trying this on, get in touch with ECC Ireland. They deal with cross-border um, complaints. And this potentially, if the flight was within the EU, they, they, they at least would hopefully have a contact in Erling that they could ring and say, try and fix this one out sooner than later. Okay, Tanya bought an item in a shop just before lockdown. The shop then obviously closed because of lockdown because it was non-essential. It turned out that the jumper that she bought didn't fit. When she returned it to the shop uh, as soon as they opened this week, there is now a sale on and the item is at a reduced uh, price. She wants her money back and they're saying they'll give her the price of it at the sale price, not the original price she paid. Can they do that? Um, the the problem is um, that she bought it um, and there's nothing wrong with it. The, the, the problem is that it doesn't fit. And she, she under basically under consumer law, you're, entire, you, you're required to be sure that before you buy something that it fits or that it's the right colour that you want, etc., etc. So they are, they have done what they should have done is offer, at least offer a credit back. Um, but the problem is... Um, it's frustrating that it's reduced. I understand that it would be, and she kind of loses out on that at a point where she couldn't have brought it back um, earlier. But um, that's the best she's going to get probably at, at, at this juncture. But you see, I'm seeing a flaw in that because of COVID. Most of the changing rooms, you can't try on items anymore in shops. So it is a bit of a, you know, you're taking it in good faith, I'll get home and hopefully it'll fit me. Yeah, that's a very valid point. I couldn't agree with you more because if you can't try it on, then there there falls one of the one of the areas. So under those circumstances, yeah, yeah. she should go back. And she bought it during COVID. No, yeah, she bought it. Then the shop went into lockdown for six weeks. She ah, returned right. it when the shop reopened to be told it's on sale now. 
we'll give it to you we'll, we will refund your money but at the sale price not at the full price that she paid oh, well for then it. I apologise to um, Patricia and to everybody I, 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 I listened to that the wrong way um, if she bought it under those circumstances I normally um, it would be the case that if it's in a sale it, it, it can only get the, the refund back at, the, at the, the sale price but she had no opportunity to bring it back earlier at a time when she would have been entitled to the full refund by credit Mm. note or voucher so she should go back to them and explain that um, it's certainly I'm happy to, to, to take a call from the store or herself if it, if it comes up that she should have got the credit for the full amount or the circumstance Can you demand cash or is it a credit note or do you have to accept a credit note? Credit note yeah. Credit note Yeah okay. it's, it's, it's not that there was anything else wrong with it if you know what I mean it's not damaged or broke or you know that way and Linda said, do, you, do do the same rules apply if an item is on sale? If there's a sale in the shop, do your consumer rights still apply? I.e., if the good is the goods are defective. defective. Yeah, very much so. You're entitled to a full refund of whatever you paid, regardless of whether it's in the sale, unless it states somewhere at the t- either at the time you were uh, the, 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 when you're about to purchase it, or at the counter where they said, "Look, this is not refundable because it's reduced to such a price. We we, we just couldn't take it back," um, and that that's been allowed for quite a number of years. It, it may be that they would even say it's second stock um, that they're just clearing. So it, it depends on what was said at the time. But 99 times out of 100, um, you can bring it back and get the full refund. Okay, and we know we're heading towards uh, Brexit. Do we have to be careful now about shopping online, particularly from UK stores? We do, um, very much so. Um, because it's not clear what's going to happen on the 1st of January. Um, and therefore, to all intents and purposes, um, all of our and seventy five percent of people in Ireland bought something from the UK in the last the last um, month. I think seventy five percent. Yeah, they bought online or from the UK. Wow. Um, we need to be careful of that for in the in the new year because we've, we, maybe it's because it's been said too many times. People switched off, but come to all intents and purposes on the first of January. The, the UK will become what's known as a third country. It'll be the equivalent of a... It's outside the EU, so no, none of the EU rules will apply. It's whether the traders in the EU will offer similar returns. So, for example, um, you won't be able to just change your mind. You won't have a falling 14-day cooling-off period um, because it won't necessarily apply unless it's very clear and stated online that you can send it back post... Uh, um, send it back to them. Um most importantly, um, because it's a third country, if you're buying anything over the value of 22 euro, um, revenue rules here will... So, 22 euro, probably about 18... Um, no, yeah, 18 pounds. pounds yeah, like yeah, 18 pounds um, starting, yeah. If you're buying anything over that, and that, in, and that 18 pound would include the cost of postage and packaging and delivery, <laughs> um, you could be... Or you will be, potentially, subject to VAT when it comes into this country. Um, and if it's over the value of €150, Euro, which would be £142, let's say, um, all-inclusive as well, it could attract duty as well as VAT. So that's, that's what it's like saying it's going to be, going to be the same as buying from the, from the USA or China, anything like that. So we've got to be very careful. It's not necessarily that, the, the, as I say, the rules change very much so. Okay, and something that might look like a bargain could end up costing you... Uh, oh, cost you a lot of money. A lot more. All right. Um, one, is there another quick one? Um, hi, oh, Anne. Hi, I have a Debenhams card. Can I get a refund back on that now that Debenhams are closed? 
Well, now that Davenant, we've, we've, we've been earned, we've long experience of this when UK retailers close. I mean, you can certainly get, you're going to have to get in touch with the liquidator and or Davenant in the UK um, to see what they can do um, in, in the sense of what they're providing. Um, I even was reading there recently where the best they were offering was uh, 50% and the rest had to be paid in cash. Um, it's, it's not going to be easy. It's no point in the... In, in, trying to put this in the, in a flowery language this is going to be hard to get your value um i'd get in touch immediately with uh, if you just google debenhams um it, you'll quite quickly come up with whom you can contact and whom you should um get in touch with to see what what are the options available to and you and a similar one for nancy what you do when you get a voucher in a local shop that, that closed for lockdown and now hasn't reopened looks like the shop is never going to reopen am i entitled to anything Potentially, no. no. Um, they're probably gone out of business and can't, can't afford yeah, it. Um, and f- unfortunately, you know, many uh, have. Okay. Yeah. All right, Dermot, we leave it there. Listen, as Thanks. always, thank you. Have a happy Christmas. You too. Patricia. And you and look everybody. after yourself. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. And by the way, after news at uh, 12, we have on post joining us on the programme. Now, they're particularly going to just go through when you need to be getting things in the post because some of those dates are fast approaching, including, I think, today is a day for some parts of the world. You need to have items in the post for today. But if you've got a question to do with on post and postal delivery and delivery of packages and cards and mail and whatever and kudos, and we are constantly saying well done to the postmen and women who have worked so, so hard this year. But if you've got a question for on post, get it in. Likewise, questions for Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist. I can really see some coming in. Uh, get those in for Annalise, please. 1850 John Paul is on his own, by the way, uh, taking calls, so bear with him. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. A quick ad break in news at 12 midday. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. We've just launched a brand new radio station exclusively online. C103 Anthems. To listen to C103 Anthems, download our phone app, ask your smart speaker, or go to c103.ie. C103 Anthems. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. When we were doing the consumer issues in the last hour and Anne, one of our listeners in Ballon Temple, said that she had a Debenhams card and as we know Debenhams is now closed and she's wondering how could she get a refund and Dermot was suggesting that she would uh, need to get on to the liquidator to see if there was any luck with her getting any kind of a refund. Somebody said, anyone with a Debenham gift card, can you please tell them they can still order online? I had a card and about two weeks ago I, my order went through promptly and uh, the card was used without any problem and the order was delivered within days. So we've passed that on to Anne in Ballantemple so she doesn't lose out on her Debenhams card. 1850 Now on post is advising the public to send Christmas cards and parcels abroad as soon as possible with the latest date for posting to several countries quickly approaching. Ingus Lafferty of on post uh, joins me. Good morning to you Ingus. Good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon. You're, you're welcome to the programme. And I've just realised today is the 7th of December and today is the last day for many far, far-flung countries, isn't it? Absolutely. And that tune was the perfect intro. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, we hit our first big Christmas milestone today, which is the 7th of December, and it's the last day of posting for parcels to the US, Canada, Asia, Australia, and New Zealand. And as I say, that's the first big milestone, then they come very quickly after that. Um, Friday the 11th is the last day of posting for letters to the US, the 12th uh, to the rest of Europe, 17th for letters and cards, the 18th for the UK, and then 21st of December for Ireland. Okay, but if you particularly want parcels to get there on time, and we have so many loved ones abroad who on other years might be coming home for Christmas, won't be coming home for Christmas. So people are sending Christmas presents that normally they would never have to post because their loved ones would be home with them. Absolutely. Those, those care parcels and care packages are, have been winging the way across the world uh, in recent weeks. And absolutely, today is the big deadline for you if you want to send to the US, Canada, Asia, Australia and New Zealand where the bulk of our uh, Irish diaspora uh, yeah. waiting for them. Yeah, yeah, and and they are. And with unprecedented mail volumes worldwide, uh, Angus, can we expect all posts to take a little bit longer this year? Absolutely. Right now, this week, we are handling 3.3 million parcels. That's 230% more than we were handling at the same time last year. Uh, so that's an example of what's going through our system at the moment. And that's down to people shopping online during COVID and also people getting their early Christmas shopping done again in the middle of COVID. So that's a huge volume of, of stuff. So like everything else, it's taking a little bit longer than with normal. Uh, we don't only take, and of course these are normal times, but we want to say to people, your parcel, your package, your letter is with us and we'll get it through you. Um, it'll just take a bit longer than normal. And outside of getting the cards and the parcels in the post on time, any other tips, Angus, to help make sure that the items arrive safely? Well, of course, addressing is probably the key issue. Make sure you have a proper full address on something that you're sending. Uh, put a return address on it as a precaution. If you're sending something in a parcel, make sure it's well wrapped, securely wrapped, plenty of tape, bubble wrap inside it. Make sure if it's a loose item, it's not loose inside the parcel. So securely wrap everything, address it properly and re- include a return address. Are you very proud of all your postmen and women? They have just worked so hard this year. Our postal staff have been heroic since the COVID pandemic first kicked in in March. And, and they said to us at the start of the, uh, what you might call the crisis, um, listen, there's stuff that we do every day for our customers out there in the highways and byways. We think we could do this on a bigger scale at a time when it's really needed. And they responded absolutely heroically. And you couldn't but be proud of what they've done in recent months. And they're working flat out at the moment, aren't they? They're pulling extra shifts and everything, I imagine. They are uh, literally working around the clock, seven-day-a-week operation throughout the system. And as I say, they're handling those 3.3 million parcels, again, as I say, 230% more than last year. And no sign of it stopping yet. Um, Mm. And that's on top of everything else that they do on their ordinary day. OK, they'll get some time off over Christmas though, won't they? There'll be no post for a period let's, over Christmas. Let's hope so. Let's hope yeah. there'll be time to uh, sit back and reflect. Oh my God, they need it. They, they, they certainly need it and, and they have been brilliant, particularly because we, we, we would have heard from some of our own vulnerable listeners who were saying that the role that their local postman or postwoman uh, played was, was brilliant. And um, Angus, are you starting to get a lot of letters to Santa Claus? Absolutely. <laughs> and and Santa, Santa letters start landing in, in June or July of any given Do year. Do they? And... Uh, <laughs> Absolutely, and we have a very, very valuable uh, connection and role to play with the North Pole Post Office, which has been open now for a couple of months. 
uh, making sure that those satellites get up to the North Pole and the replies come back. And uh, it's something that's really very much part of Christmas, something we love doing. And uh, we, we love we love carrying those messages from Santa. You're very good. You're very good. Listen, um, the, it's as I say, it's a very, very busy period for all of uh, your staff, but you're, you're very much appreciated. Uh, thanks a million for joining us and talking to us on the programme this morning. Thank you, Patricia. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Happy Christmas to you. That is Angus uh, Lafferty who joins us from Ompost. But important dates, including today, is the is the seventh, is the last day if you want to get your cards, your parcels uh, for people in far-flung countries. Yeah, because as I say, I think this year more than ever, those care packages and the boxes of Barry's tea and did somebody last week say that they, their loved ones look for Bovril of all things, which is something I would never have thought of in putting in a care package. Uh, certainly for my family, it's always packets of Tato crisps along with the Barry's tea are an absolute uh, must. Uh, but make sure that you at least get them in on time. It gets a fighting chance for the postal services to get them to your loved ones. And of course, it's our own postal staff here are working flat out, but so are they postal departments in all of the other countries and there certainly has been delays I know last week when I mentioned about Australia there has been delays in Australia in parcels arriving with quite a few people, they've left Ireland the Irish end of it has worked but it's just the amount of mail that's going into Australia on top of all their online shopping that they're doing uh, as well so get them in plenty of time because it's really disappointing if a parcel doesn't arrive on on time. Okay I can see some questions coming in for Annalise can you keep those coming please 1850 333103 and some of your texts uh, coming in uh, Hi Patricia my sister was out in town last night with her friends they were in a few gastro pubs and by the time 11.30 came they had over five options of different house parties to go to if the government thinks that by closing bars and pubs is helping they will have a very rude awakening yeah, and then that goes back, doesn't it, all to individual choice. It's up to individuals whether they want to. You won't stop the house parties, but it's individuals themselves have to make the, the the choice. Am I going to go to a house party? And I think also what people need to think of, if they are gathering with family at Christmas, and we know that from the 18th of December, we're going to be allowed to travel outside of our county and people can travel all over the country to go home for Christmas or to be with loved ones uh, for Christmas. But you need to stop and think if you are going to be going home to loved ones for Christmas, who's going to be in the household? Will there be anybody vulnerable? Is granny or granddad going to be around the kitchen table? Mum or dad? Is there a household member that medically is vulnerable who, you know, who've been really looking after themselves? And if you're going out partying hard and going off to all of those house parties, you really have to stop and think and make the decision. You know, if you want to go to the house parties, nobody's going to stop you. It's an individual choice, but you need to stop and think, are you going to be joining your family at uh, Christmas? And I know that is the message that has gone out. If you are going to be spending Christmas with very vulnerable people, then you should be thinking of limiting your social activities and limiting your contacts in the 14 days between when you between Christmas uh, between when you would sit down with your family at Christmas and that 14 days we're, we're very close to that fast approaching and we're two weeks away from Christmas Day we are next Friday so people need to really stop and think about that but yeah uh, you, 
whether the pubs are open or closed, there will always be house parties going on. You're very right. Thank you for your text to 0862103103. And thank you to Eamon in Cove, who sends in a text saying, Good morning, Patricia. Could you warn your listeners, please, that there could be a huge amount of scam text messages in the new year because there will be charges that will be legitimately levelled on high value purchases from the UK and the scammers will exploit this change. I was nearly caught myself last January with a fake message claiming to be from on post looking for €2.99. It was a delivery charge because the UK had just left the EU. I thought, oh, this must be a genuine charge. It's a small sum. So I thought, well, I might as well pay it. I'm waiting on my package. It was only because I got a second text message from Bank of Ireland asking permission to take €500 from my account that I realised the initial text message was a scam. I didn't, by the way, give the go-ahead. I think people need to be very alert in the new year as there will be real, genuine extra charges uh, for some mixed in with scam messages. Uh, Love your programme from Eamon and Cove. Thank you for that, Eamon, and how easy and how quickly you can get caught. And you know, it won't even be legitimate charges levied on high value purchases. When when I was chatting with Dermot Jewell and I mentioned Brexit and I mentioned, you know, from a consumer point of view, he, was he saying any items over €22, Euro, about £18 sterling, you'll be liable for VAT on it if you're buying it from a UK website or a UK store. So it'll be on small enough items that you buy. There will be charge is legitimately levelled and if it's coming through on post then it's obviously on post will be contacting you to say you owe, you owe VAT now if, if it's more expensive items it's revenue will be contacting you because there'll be duties on top of the VAT but Eamon is right the scammers are probably already working on the texts and we'll have them ready to go from the 1st of January 1850 John Paul taking your calls we are in particular looking for your questions for Annalise Dressel our nutritional therapist you can text her WhatsApp 086 to 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Celebrate a real Cork Christmas. Find out more at corkcoco.ie. So Vincent de Paul, they're obviously experiencing very high demand for their services this year and they're appealing to the general public to support their online fundraising and also any of their local collections. Their annual car draw is taking place again. Tickets are priced at five euro. They'll be distributed to all households and you're asked to please return the ticket stubs and the money to their office on Tucky Street. You can always purchase the tickets online as well. They're five euro each and you can go to the St. Vincent de Paul website. And the Mitchestown Lions Club, they're appealing for donations to their GoFundMe page. It's GoFundMe Christmas Food Appeal or you can drop a donation into the collection bucket in Mitchellstown Credit Union. All monies raised are distributed as food vouchers for family in need in the Mitchellstown area. And Kinsale Community Health and Wellbeing Resource Centre fundraising for meeting the running costs and are inviting families to get together to take part in their 12 days of Christmas quiz. You register on idonate.ie forward slash 12 days of Christmas quiz. You need to register before December 20th. Then questions will be sent every day to registered email addresses from December 26th through to January 6th. The cost is €25 per registration and the first correct entry draw will win €250. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com.
And some of your calls coming in when I mentioned the internet earlier and this was to do with uh, somebody was wondering about Trocra and the Trocra gift cards that you normally get and it all seemed to be online uh, this year and our caller was saying don't don't like using online I like to get the brochure through the post and we're still awaiting a reply by the way from Trocra uh, on that and I was saying yes there are a lot of people who don't like going online that prompted some calls in of a similar vein I have to say including Colin in Butler and said Patricia uh, you mentioned about that people don't like going online or using online. It's not a case that we don't like using online. It's a case we can't. We can't always access it. They need to roll out rural broadband and they need to do it across the country sooner rather than later. Uh, I can be on a website watching a match and it keeps dropping out all because my connection is so poor. I would love to use the internet more but simply can't because of proper access. And Joe in Mill Street saying the very same thing in his area. He says everything's fine until about six o'clock and then his internet slows down. It'll barely open up an internet page. He's also noticed since COVID hit with more people working at home, he's getting a slower uh, connection. A basic, uh, op- just opening a page on a website can take three to four minutes. It's so frustrating. God, it's like, sounds like the good old days when we used to have it dial up, doesn't it? Yeah, I can sense your frustration, folks. Still getting in calls and texts, by the way, on what happened with the ladies and the football match and the fact that they, it had to get moved and then, I mean, Cork won thank God. I mean, it must be way worse for the ladies in Galway and how they're feeling today. But Mary says a number of people are commenting on the fact of this wouldn't have happened to the men. Why is it always happening to the girls? That whole thing about equality between males and females within the GAA. Mary said it's so annoying. Preference always seems to be given to the males when it comes to the GAA. It still prevails so strongly within this association. It is a great association, says Mary. I'm not taking from it. It's done so much for this country. But it repeatedly neglects the ladies who do so much for the GAA. Who is it that's out there washing the jerseys? Who is it that's bringing the children to and from uh, matches? It is mainly the ladies. It has to be rectified sooner rather than later, says uh, Mary. And someone else was on on this as well. Jim says, Patricia, just a word on the Cork ladies football team manager Doreen O'Dirin O'Sullivan from Ornabi on the speech she made on finding out that the match was changed. This was was this last week or was it was it yesterday? Anyway, she was very cool and she said she just explained to the players what was happening and it being far from ideal. She said we just have to get on with it but it would be great to see her bring back the Brendan Martin Cup to Cork and deny the Dublin ladies four in a row and hopefully the Mayo men will do it as well and they'll stop Dublin's six in a row and their dominance of football. Yeah, it would be great if the ladies did it. Um, I don't know about Mayo. Uh, with the Dublin men, they they really are. They seem to be un- unstoppable almost, but it would be fantastic uh, for the girls. I don't know about bringing the Brendan Martin Cup home. I know with the Lee McCarthy and the Sam Maguire, wh- whichever county wins, there's no bringing the Cup home because they don't want to make sure that there's any celebrations. We saw what happened with some of the county finals and they're worried because we know that there was a number of COVID c- cases connected to GAA celebrations. So I think it's already been decided that the cups are not coming home and I'm assuming that it's the same for the men and the women considering we're talking about equality between the men and the women we'll try and get that uh, checked but we will all be roaring for the ladies uh, for sure 
1850 Sad to see Anthony Nash retire, says another texter. Oh, this is from Mick. Thanks, Mick, for putting your name in your text. Without an All-Ireland medal, sadly, I don't think he'll be the only one going without a medal. There will be others who will be going down that route as well. Oh, they, some other texts in. Here's one from John. Let's hope that the supermarkets will give their staff a good bonus this Christmas as they've been in the front line since the virus started, says John. And supermarkets, those in retail that were essential retail, John is right, they have been frontline workers. They've been there when all of the other lockdowns happened and other businesses were forced to close. They went into work day in, day out. And I know back in the early days when there was a huge nervousness about uh, COVID and, and people were scared heading out to work every day. We had some really heartbreaking emails and letters in. I remember there was one young supermarket worker who said nobody sees what goes on back in the canteen, how nervous people were. She said, you know, she saw other colleagues, staff colleagues in, in tears and like we were saying to people to be kind and respectful of retail staff they have worked so hard uh, this year and John you're right particularly the supermarkets because let's be honest there's no supermarkets this year can say that they didn't make a profit because people went out and shopped in their droves there's, there still is queues outside of supermarkets I know they're limiting the number of people that went in but supermarkets have done well that surely their profit profitability is up I really do hope John that supermarkets staff are looked after and no doubt and hopefully closer to the time we'll be hearing from some of the supermarket staff themselves if they want to let us know uh, have they been have they been looked after I really I hope they have I really hope they have thanks for your text John to 0862 103 103 here's one hi Patricia if this is on people travelling people that we know that are going to travel home for Christmas they reckon 50,000 people have booked flights which is about 10% on what normally would come through our airports it's a small proportion but there are people still travelling you will also that number will go up as well because you'll have people who book flights uh, late as well Patricia says texter if a healthcare worker in the UK gets the Covid vaccine and wants to travel home for Christmas will they still have to limit their movements or will they be okay I would be I would say they're still going to have to limit their movements and i tell you why if they get their vaccine even this week remember the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine which is the vaccine that the UK is running with and they're starting it's from today isn't it they're starting to, to give it and we know healthcare workers are going to be the first in the UK to get it remember it's given in two do- doses so even if you get your first dose today on the 7th of December you have to get the second dose three weeks later in 21 days time which would be the 28th of December the part, the people getting it today will be getting the second dose and you won't have immunity until you have the second dose and I imagine it's probably a few days if not a week after the second dose so even if somebody gets the first dose and gets on a plane they're still not immune so so no they they would still have to limit their movements and coming into this country. They can, of course, as we mentioned earlier, get a COVID test a minimum of five days after arriving. And once they get a negative result to that, then they will be, they, they don't have to limit their restrictions um, after that. 1850 333103. Hi, uh, Patricia. I work in, no, I'm afraid to name the store in case that's not, that can't be true. I'll be getting a bonus of 12 euro. 
I'm afraid to name the store in case that's somebody uh, fooling me because I can't believe anybody would hand out a bonus of €12 uh, to somebody for somebody who's working in a supermarket and has worked throughout the pandemic. Let me look into that one, please. And hi, Patricia, I got a letter from Trocra sent subscription sent subscription got a receipt a week later got another letter to subscribe what a waste of time and uh, money and that was from Troker where somebody was looking for the brochure to come out uh, because they want to subscribe this year but somebody so they, they are obviously posting them out as well okay 1850 333 103 we're going to take a break we've Annalise Drussell answering your nutritional questions get them in you can text or whatsapp your questions to 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. And Annalise Giselle of the Health of Times Square in Ballancolic joining uh, me this Monday afternoon. Good afternoon, Jan Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're very welcome. And lots of questions in. Let me get straight into them, including one from Anthony. Said, Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, could you, what is the best D30 vitamin tablet to take and what strengths to go for? I don't know what he means by D30. So I just think it's probably vitamin D3. Vitamin D3, so, okay. It's yeah. predictive text. There's, What's the best and what strengths to go for? So I think unless you have been tested and it's been shown that your vitamin D is lower than average, I think a 1,000 IU is more than enough for everybody. Um, and for young kids, 400 IU is generally what you give them. And I say this every year, Patricia, but it's gotten a huge amount of media attention with COVID because it appears that people with low vitamin D have had a much higher incidence of requiring hospitalization and ventilation. So vitamin D, brilliant for the immune system. The D3 is the one that you want. You know, cheap and cheerful is just as good, really. You can get very high-quality ones that are fat-soluble that would be better for people who had issues with digestion. But other than that, um, you know, just choose whatever is the most convenient for yourself. There's a lot of sprays around, and they're very good as well, especially if your absorption isn't great. Um, And if you've got any autoimmune disorder or if you've been tested that you're low, at least 3,000 IUs would be suitable. So 1,000 IUs for everybody else. 
vitamin D3 as opposed to vitamin D2 and um, 3,000 for anyone with autoimmune disease or immune problems. Okay, hi. Uh, could you ask Annalise, please? Uh, it's, it's, it's a query about my daughter. My daughter is 16 and her period lasts a week with four very heavy days. She also suffers some severe headaches and cramping around this time. Does Annalise think this is a normal cycle? My cycle would have been three to four day bleed, not heavy, and I never had any real problems uh, with it. Is there anything that Annalise could recommend to help her through this? At the moment, I'm just giving her some paracetamol for the cram- cramps and the headaches, thanking you in advance. God help her, that sounds dreadful. Yeah, and you know what, it's getting more common, I think. Is it? Uh, but I think so, and I think it's probably a lot to do with, you know, stress, diet, um, the modern diet, and um, different things, but I think definitely there's a lot more endometriosis now, there's a lot more polycystic ovaries, there's a lot more heavy and painful periods amongst young women, and it possibly is that maybe it just wasn't spoken about, you know, mm. uh, before, but um, I do see a lot of it, and there is an awful lot that you can do to prevent and to help with all of these. So there's a variety of different products that would work, and again, it's down to the individual, so I'd ask a lot of questions if someone came into the shop to me to see if their liver was working well because the headaches around your period time and the spots are very liverish. So a liver support is very good and you'd be looking like at something like dandelion, um, artichoke, L-cysteine are always good for that. Um, then if the periods are very heavy and clotty, taking um, a Udo's oil or a fish oil is very, very good to kind of help thin the blood. And if you thin the blood, it can help with the period pain. They may not, they may be as heavy, but it certainly um, will help with the pain and the clotting. There's a very good product by um, by NHP is the name of the company, Natural Health Practice, NHP. And they do a PM support product that has got a number of different things in there that will help with PMT coming up to your periods, low mood, sugar cravings, can also help a little bit with pain. Magnesium is another one for the cramping. So you'd want to, she'd want to be starting that for about a week before her period um, to build it up to the levels to prevent the severe period pain. That could also help with the headaches. And the last thing I'll mention is Agnes Castus, which is a lovely herb for helping to rebalance hormones if your periods are too light or if they're too heavy. So I think, again, that works very well for some people and it works terribly for other people. I think if there's any liver issues, the Agnes Castus is not a good idea until you get the liver sorted out because otherwise you might end up getting your period every two weeks. Okay, here's an unusual one. I'm a male in my 40s. I can't use any deodorant or roll-on. I've tried a Dr. Organic Aloe Vera, but I get a burning sensation under my arms. Can Annalise suggest anything, please? Okay, so um, it sounds like the skin under the arms there is very sensitive. Um, There are different types of natural deodorants, but the one that might work the best for this person is... um, a natural crystal deodorant because there is literally nothing added to it. It's basically a salt crystal um, in a stick that you rub under your arms and the salt will kill the bacteria and help prevent the smell of BO. Now, the one thing to note about natural deodorants is that they don't work as antiperspirants. They don't block your sweat glands, which is why they're better for you, especially for women, because we clear a lot of estrogen, you know, through those whole lymph underneath the arm near our breast. So very important for young women not to be using antiperspirants. And then the natural deodorants can help with cut down the amount of bacteria if there's something like salt in it um, and also will help with some natural um, deodorizing in terms of nice smells. But it doesn't stop you sweating. So you still might need 
an antiperspirant for those days, maybe when you have to go into work and give a presentation or at a wedding or an, an event where you definitely don't mm. want to have wet spots under your arms. Well, is that quite common to have very sensitive skin under your arms? Not that, no. Well, now some people are very sensitive, full stop, Patricia. So it's, yeah. not, it's not common, but it's not highly unusual either. Some people literally just use apple cider vinegar under the arm. And the nice thing about that, again, is that the, the vinegar will kill the bacteria. Um, but also in natural cider vinegar, there's good bacteria. And if you can get the good bacteria onto the skin, that can often help with sensitivities. But again, you know, for some people, vinegar is just going to irritate. So I think with this gentleman, keep it very simple. Mm. Literally use the crystal deodorant and uh, see if that works for you. Hi, my cholesterol was nine. What would Annalise recommend to bring it down? I want to stay away from meds if at all possible. What should I be eating? Any natural remedy? Don't want to go on a tablet a day. I'm in my early 30s. Okay. So, um, okay. So diet wise, again, I suppose um, they talk about a low fat diet for for heart health, but I totally disagree with that. I think the more... Uh, fat you take out, the more carbs you put in, and then that whole link with insulin and, and damage to the, the blood vessels is very bad for heart health. So I think it's about managing your fats and choosing a lot of good fats from fish, avocados, nuts and seeds, putting in plenty of vegetables of all variety of colours, um, cut out sugar completely. Um, you know, don't eat too much meat, cream and cheese, but certainly have them in your diet. I think that um, cutting them out doesn't always work. And then in terms of natural supplements, the one that will get it down the quickest is probably uh, one by higher nature. It's called um, Red Sterol Complex. And it's a combination of red rice yeast, which is uh, very similar in its action to the drug. It does the same thing, but it's from a natural source. And in that one, there's also the plant sterols that you get in the Benicols and the likes. So it's a good combination product. You'd want to be taking at least three a day because nine is quite high. The other product that's very good is um, the Cardio K. I sell a lot of that in the shop and I've had a lot of feedback over the years and for the majority of people, it works really well at bringing down cholesterol and very few side effects. So try either of those. Okay, hi. Uh, says a listener, I'm a celiac. I am taking Calicu D3 and I've also started taking liquid gold. Is that okay? And by the way, just as I mentioned liquid gold, I saw Bernice, one of our listeners, said Annalise recommended something last week that had gold in the title. What was the name of it? It was the liquid gold... Yes, yeah, it's by a company called Nature's Plus and it's Source of Life Liquid Gold. Gold. Okay. And it's a tonic. Back um, to so, our celiac. Yeah, so that lady is on Calcitu, which is calcium carbonate. It okay. really is not good for celiacs. It's chalk. There are people who have got celiac disease, their absorption is compromised at the best of times. That's, so they have difficulty even absorbing calcium from diets, not to mind calcium from chalk. So my advice in this case would be to get a proper... Um, Calcium in the health store. Vitamin D is crucial, so that's that's fine. It is in the calcium, but um, a good bone supplement in the health shop should have the vitamin D3 in there as well as K2. So D3 helps to absorb calcium from your diet and from the supplement, but K2 is the one that helps prevent it from hardening in your arteries and to get gets it out of the blood and onto the bone where you want it. Um, and the, the latest research is showing very good benefits of a form of calcium that comes from an algae. It's called algecal, A-L-G-A-E-C-A-L, algecal. And unfortunately, it's been patented, so it's a little bit more expensive than standard calcium, but it's very well absorbed. So for a celiac, I think a supplement with that in it would definitely be the way to go. And of course, increase calcium in your diet, 
by uh, taking things like um, oranges. Almonds are excellent. Chia seeds, pumpkin seeds, they're all fantastic for calcium. Chickpeas, lentils, baked beans, they're all great for calcium as well. So make sure you've got five to six portions of those in your diet every day. Okay, Katrina, advice please on perimenopausal. I'm 46. I've had two irregular periods in the last six months. I've started taking vitamin B complex the last few days, which I feel has helped with water retention and also some fish oils. What else should I be taking? I am drinking lots of water. Okay, so it's a bit young for the menopause, but it's always possible. I mean, I think people, women are very different in terms of the age. Um, and it doesn't mention any problems that would be typical of perimenopause, like um, hot flushes or low mood or forgetfulness or lack of sleep or... Um, just the irregular period. So it's just the irregular period. Yeah. I think the Agnes Castus could work well in this case. Now, she's doing well with the B-complex because that really always is very good for the nervous system. A B-complex that's very high in B6 is excellent for um, for any kind of PMT or sore breasts coming up to your period. You want about 50 milligrams of B6. So if that's not in your B-complex, you could supplement it by getting it on its own. But that single-handedly in one month will make the difference for people with sore breasts and um, low mood coming up to their periods. So the Agnes Castus for this lady may help maybe um, bring the periods back into a more regular cycle again. So she should try that. Uh, hi, um, what would you recommend as a makeup remover? I have very sensitive skin, especially on my eyelids. Also a good moisturiser. I am 20 years old. Okay, so there's two that I have used myself having sensitive skin and find great. One of them is the Trilogy Cream Cleanser. Um, it's very, very gentle and there's very little to no... Um, even natural fragrances, there's very little natural fragrance in it. So sometimes if your skin is very sensitive, tea tree oil and lavender and these can actually be more irritating. There's also another one that I'm using at the moment that I find lovely by um, Salcura and it's just their face. It's just a plain face wash. Um, if you prefer a face wash as opposed to a, a cream, that's a nice one to try. And then if it's very, very bad, you could always cleanse your face with a bit of olive oil and some cotton wool. It's great to get off eye makeup, for example. Um, and that, of course, is is completely natural and there's no chemicals in that at all. And very finally, very quickly, what would you recommend to stop my lips from peeling, says the listener? So the best, lips. Yes, the best lip balm that we've ever had here is one by a company called Ecolips. And I sell a lot of it even to people who are on the Roaccutane for acne where their lips peel terribly. And it definitely moisturises very deeply. So Ecolips is the one that you're looking for. Um, they have different ones, some with SPF, some with um, peppermint in there as well, Patricia, but you'll find them in any okay. health store. All right, we'll leave it there. Have Thanks, a good week. Patricia. Talk to you next week. That's Annalise Drissel, the Health Hub, Times Square in Balancolic. That's where I leave you. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for taking your calls today. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10. To I'm Patricia Mester. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.